Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, Health, Medicine, and Bioscience Edition. It's my job, my self-appointed job, to find the geniuses, the best people in their fields. Um, interviewed over 2,000 people, scientists, researchers, clinicians, etc. So today I have um, Dr. Marnie Enslem. Uh, she's a psychologist and an author. We're going to talk about cognitive behavioral therapy and go into the specifics and uh, how she helps people. So, Marnie, thanks for coming. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, so I know there's, there's CBT, or cognitive behavioral therapy, for insomnia, for anxiety, for all kinds of stuff. What's yep. your focus there? Okay, so generally speaking, cognitive behavioral therapy has a wide range of applications, and I apply CBT to many uh, to many problems, um, either either um, based rooted in anxiety, uh, depression, um, and one application that I've been using it increasingly for is for insomnia. Okay, are you are you focused more on insomnia or anxiety or? You know, where within the CBT sphere? All of uh, them, and often um, insomnia has roots in um, both anxiety and depression as well, um, particularly mm-hmm. when the thoughts that people have that keep them from sleeping are related to, you know, beliefs that are a bit blown out of proportion about, you know, the meaning of the sleep. So if, if their sleep is disrupted, what that might mean for their functioning the next day. So there is a lot of anxiety that underlies that. So um, in that respect, um, you know, there's there's some getting at some of the underlying anxiety um, and or um, depressive thinking when when one is using CBT applied to insomnia. There are more, um, you know, there are more specific aspects of CBT directed for insomnia than um, you know some of the other applications. Um, but every, you know, every issue that um, is treated with CBT, that can be treated by CBT, has nuances, um, you know, depending on the issue. But the idea is that it's treating the underlying um, thoughts as well as the related behaviors that are associated with whatever the issue is. So it's probably a, a self-reinforcing thing, but like what starts the, you know, the cycle of anxiety, insomnia, rumination, et cetera? And how does right. it take so, rest? And, you know, how do you exactly. Know? So how do things begin? Well, ultimately, there's, um, you know, it could be, it could be um, you know, an event um, that triggers a thought or, you know, some sort of reaction in us. Um, and what happens is our, you know, when we, um, when something happens that we don't know why it happens, we want to try to understand it. So we, um, you know, basically try to form our best guess of what is happening. So um, in that respect, we are always trying to make sense of our environment. And sometimes we come up with some reasoning that is um, 
might make sense to us but isn't really serving us in some way. And then we might be jumping to conclusions a bit. We might be um, ignoring all of the nuances or, the, you know, the shades of gray that, that um, you know, that might be involved. So, um, so something when, when we first develop patterns that, um, you know, of thinking that are not useful to us, it can be, um, you know, us making um, you know, some sort of leap that isn't really there, that isn't really validated by the evidence objectively. Um, and sometimes it's related to underlying um, deep beliefs that we have, you know, maybe related to, you know, our worth as, um, you know, as an individual, you know, getting pretty deep, really. So some, sometimes they're pretty deep-rooted, but generally they are general statements that we, you know, that we make to ourselves. We might not even be aware of it. So often these are, you know, a bit, um, you know, they're below our consciousness some of the time. And um, consequently, we'll feel pretty bad or we'll feel pretty anxious depending on what the, uh, you know, what the thought is. When clients come to you, are there particular stories that you hear over and over and over again? Um, well, everybody has their own story. So I, um, I, you know, I definitely will hear um, every individual's perspective of, um, you know, what is, um, you know, driving them and what is, what is contributing to whatever, you know, their discomfort is when they come in. But some of the themes that I hear over and over again um, relate to, you know, feeling like um, they are in some way falling short of something, um, you know, so some theme of, of uh, failure or fear of failure. Um, perhaps some sense of rejection can be an underlying theme. Um, but, you know, some of the other things that really, you know, take a thought from being not useful to really impacting, um, um, you know, how somebody feels about themselves is when a thought becomes pretty global. So they're taking, you know, I, I got a, I got a C on this test, you know, from, oh, I guess I could have studied harder to, you know what, I'm, I'm worthless. Like, what, what is the point? I'm not good at this. I'm good at nothing. Um, so those types of themes, um, you know, tend to really, um, you know, they repeat themselves in individuals, and um, it's a way of making sense of, of, you know, an ambiguous situation. So they become um, a bit habitual in people. So I so will how, hear do you pull, how do you pull someone back from, you know, I'm worthless and, you know, I can't do anything right type of thing to a more reasonable interpretation that, you know, I'm good at some stuff, bad at others, yeah. that didn't work, oh, well, let's move on. Yeah, well, that's actually the power of what cognitive behavioral therapy can do because it really is just an, an examination of that belief system, of that belief, um, you know, and, and breaking down each thought. So, so something happens, so there's some sort of precipitating um, event or, um, you know, it could be receiving an email that's, you know, that triggers something in you or just even having a, uh, you know, whatever it is, right? There's some sort of precipitating, precipitating event, and we might, in our minds, jump to some sort of conclusion that is not based in um, re objective reality. And so, what CBT does is it um, increases awareness of what that thought is that just kind of pops into one's head, um, as well as um, any of you know the triggers that you know that that brought that into your head and what it felt like you know to have you know when when you were experiencing that you know what the emotions were 
Um, and so it gets you to examine and identify what that specific thought was and also start to learn what patterns each, you know, every, everyone, uh, you know, tends to come up with their own, own shortcuts in their thinking, what patterns um, tend to, uh, you know, we tend to gravitate toward and then start to um, challenge them by replacing them, reframing them with some sort of thought that is more adaptive. And so that's that's really the magic is you're you're you are being a you know a bit of an observer of yourself recognizing you know the specific instance and then you know thinking you know a little bit more you know objectively challenging it rationally challenging it um, there's a, you know any number of ways in which we can possibly look at a situation a little bit differently reframe it and not lie to ourselves about it and not say everything's great but to really um, you know, to look at it a little bit differently, allow yourself to see it, um, you know, a little bit differently. You know, while, while I did get a C on this test, I know that I can, you know, continue to work hard and try harder next time, for example. So what are some ways in which you could help uh, clients get perspective even outside of the session? Are there, like, exercises for them to do or yeah. know, meditate so, or what can they do? Yeah, CBT is um, very much rooted in experiential learning. So um, the session is really just, a, you know, um, an opportunity for clients to start to, um, you know, to learn the skills, but the real work happens outside of the session when you're applying the, you know, the tools that you're learning in the session to your real life. So when you are having, um, you know, some sort of thought that's not useful um, in real life, right, again, when there's the real trigger in your life. Um, and it's not really like an academic exercise, you can then start to say, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm seeing this pattern repeating itself. Here's what I can do. Um, and then start to challenge it, you know, um, you know, say something that is more encouraging to yourself in that moment, and then start to, you know, repeat it to yourself and notice, you know, the difference in how, how you feel. So CBT is definitely you know, an approach that relies a lot on, on uh, applying it, you know, applying what you're doing in the session to your, to your real life and, um, you know, really kind of, you know, treating it like homework. What happens if, um, you know, you say something to yourself positive, but you just don't mm -hmm. feel different? Does that mean that uh, you haven't got to the root of the problem, for instance? No, not at all. So it takes, and just like any skill, um, it may not happen overnight. It takes a lot of practice, and it might actually take saying a different message to yourself for one to stick. So, again, instead of, you know, you, uh, something, something negative happens and you say, it's okay, everything's perfect, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, stuff to break down in that statement, but um, it's, Finding a different um, reframed um, message that um, that resonates with you, that seems authentic to you, um, appropriate for the situation. Um, so there's that aspect of it. You know, try try a different thought. Um, you know, and keep practicing um, so you get better at identifying what the um, you know what the uh, belief was that you had said to yours. You know, what that thought was that automatic thought that was not um, useful to you to begin with. And then there's you know the the um, you know it can be it can be really challenging for some people you know it clicks right away other people um, it can take a lot longer and it can take breaking down um, some very well built up um, you know resistance to it um, but then again just like any therapy I'll say this it is not a one size all approach so um, every um, every time I utilize CBT which is regularly I tend to utilize it a lot. 
um, it is a tailor to every individual, um, how they approach situations, what their individual challenges are. Um, and for people who this is not you know, something that resonates with them the most, like, there are a lot of other well-validated approaches out there as well, although CBT is, is uh, you know, considered to be the best validated, you know, empirically validated approach. Psychotherapeutic. Um, so what kind of uh, resistance do people put up? How does it manifest? Um, in, in, in as far as CBT not being effective for them? <clears throat> no, so, I mean, it, it, it's, they're not allowing you. They're resisting you. How does that manifest? How does it come across? Yeah, no, I think it's it's more for themselves. If so, if if um, they're really trying, you know, to you know to break down something, if if there's a really well rooted belief that they have that you know something is true when it is just really their experience of how something feels rather than it's objectively true, breaking through that resistance in them can be hard. But generally speaking, um, you know, people who you know people will kind of indicate you know, pretty early on whether this is something that they're willing to try and, you know, this approach. And if they are, um, I don't generally see a lot of resistance to trying, you know, to, uh, what about, to um, trying if it's not working expectation at of, What about expectation of results? Do people feel like one session and that's good? Or, you know, do they come to sessions and then they feel afraid to stop? Like, what have you noticed? Yeah, um, I mean, just like a lot of therapy, sometimes the hardest thing is just making the appointment, getting in the door. So there is some benefit even, uh, you know, just regardless of the therapeutic approach, there can be some initial benefit of just, you know, recognizing, acknowledging to themselves that, you know, that there is something that is making them uncomfortable and that they can seek help for it. Um, that said, um, CBT is, again, one of the most well-investigated um, um, therapeutic approaches, and because of that, we know that they're, you know, that, you know, that it can be um, effective in, um, you know, in short-term settings, um, and it's because it's been tested that way, um, but there, you know, every individual is different. Again, some people will see benefits in just a few sessions, um, you know, related to the CBT, not just the walking in the door effect, um, where they're really starting to learn the skills and make, you know, make changes. Um, you know, to their thinking, um, as well as to their actions. That's another big component of CBT that we haven't spoken about, you know, that, the behavior aspect of, of CBT. Um, but other people, um, it, it takes a lot of, you know, more regular learning and reinforcement um, and continued booster sessions over time. But I've definitely seen it, you know, real benefits from learning the skills in, you know, as little as, you know, three or four sessions. What are some of the skills that you would try to impart to people? Um, to become more aware of their thinking as it's happening, recognize some of the, the um, thinking patterns that are not useful for them, um, you know, that, those automatic patterns that I was referring to. So, so building awareness is a skill, um, learning how to challenge them in an effective way where they're able to say, okay, uh, that is, you know, that approach is not, that thinking pattern is not... Um, useful for me. Um, it's, you know, it's, I'm feeling, you know, anxious after having these types of thoughts or I'm feeling down on myself in some way. Um, so I learned that I can challenge it this way. I can go to, you know, some, this type of statement to say to myself in advance, you know, well, well, this time, 
you know, was a challenge or, wow, this, you know, is the case or, you know, I don't know for sure that I'm going to fail, right? It's possible. It's possible I might succeed instead of that belief or I'm going to fail. I'm going to go up there and make a, you know, a, a big uh, fool of myself standing up in front of that crowd. You know, do you know that? Is it possible you might not? Um, so so those those are skills of learning how to automatically, you know, or, you know, become, so it becomes automatic. Challenge themselves in um, in these situations and, um you know, some of the other skills are really like the, on the more behavioral end, um, putting themselves in situations. So often when we're fearful of something, we will, you know, the instinct might be to avoid the situation. So in the case of fear, you know, phobias of you know, any sort of situation we don't want to be in, um, really taking those steps, you know, getting up there and, and giving that speech if, if you need to do that. Um, that is one, you know, kind of like exposure, you know, get, putting yourself in those situations. Um, if we're feeling down um, and, we're, and we're not having the internal drive to go do something, you know, we're kind of not feeling motivated. Um, one of the most effective ways to break through it is to do exactly that, just to tr- break through it. You know, put those shoes on and walk out the door. And then, because what happens is we make inferences of our own behavior, you know, sub, you know, subconsciously. We say, huh, I just went outside. Maybe I'm not so depressed after all. Versus, okay. yeah, versus like the opposite of, oh, look at me. I didn't even get dressed today. Um, I'm such a loser, right? So those types of inferences that we might make. Um. And specifically, as it, as it goes towards insomnia, how do you mm-hmm. help people um, clear their minds so they can sleep? Because, yeah, you know, sleep seems like um, it's like a conundrum. You know, if you say go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, and you try to, I need to go to sleep, it, it's hard to. So, what do you do? Yeah, so that is exactly why CBT has been applied to this this issue of of insomnia and insomnia is actually a sort of, you know, again, speaking behavioral language, you know, a bit of a conditioned response to the problem of not sleeping. So, you know, we all have had as humans, you know, have had nights where we've had trouble sleeping Um, and it might be situational related to, oh, well, there was a car alarm going all night, you know, last night, Um, or it could be related to, you know, being sick or related to stress, you know, stressful situation going on. Um, when insomnia becomes a more chronic problem is when it gets reinforced from, you know, from things that we're doing. And, and some of those things that we're doing might be just that of worrying, you know, and having that sensation, you know, or the, you know, the, the thinking before bed of, oh, it's bedtime. I'm not going to sleep tonight. It's going to be another failure and I'm going to have to cancel my plans for tomorrow. I'm going to be, I'm going to not be able to focus and, you know, th- and thinking, really projecting into the future, but, you know, anticipating the worst, feel, you know, having a lot of anxiety around, um, you know, the feared consequences of, of what, you know, a night of poor sleep might mean or less than optimal sleep. So um, from the, you know, from the uh, perspective of what we were just talking about, breaking down those thoughts, um, examining the reality of them, right? We, <laughs> the reality is we know that it is possible to make it through the day if we've had, you know, a suboptimal night of sleep the night before, right? So, so challenging oh, yeah. the, some of those deep beliefs, but CBTI actually does a lot more than just, um, you know, examines the thoughts. That's one important component of it. It's really also focused on a lot of the behavioral reinforcements of sleep, you know, things like, you know, creating a, you know, um, a routine and 
um, you know, some sleep hygiene habits, but also uh, regulating the the wake time, you know, getting really focused on that and breaking through, um, you know, kind of taking an individual approach. But if an individual, um, you know, has challenges with waking in the middle of the night, um, breaking, you know, the goal would be to, um, you know, to improve the quality of sleep and the efficiency. So setting a wake time in the morning, you know, so a very behavioral approach of a fixed wake time. So those are all some other components. What about um, friends, family, spouse, et cetera? What kind of things do they say that, you know, hurts the therapy versus helps the therapy? You know, their common phrase is like, oh, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Or why do you worry so much? Just stop worrying. You know, like, What's helpful yeah, I mean, what's not helpful? <laughs> when we're focused on when we're thinking about ang- well, both anxiety and depression, um, and by the way, there are a lot of applications for CBT beyond anxiety and depression, but but those are you know very very common ones. Um, but yeah, the messages that we hear from people, the people in our lives, are important and they can affect us. So both the supportive and encouraging messages, as well as things that might seem insensitive or just inappropriate. So telling you know the you know chronically anxious person to just calm down um, can sometimes really be the least useful thing that person can hear, particularly when they're feeling. Um, you know, kind of in a spiral at that moment. They know they would like to calm down, but that's not what is uh, going to really be useful for them in that moment. Um, same thing with, you know, somebody who's, you know, pretty actively depressed, hearing somebody say, um, you know, just smile or just be happy, right? That's not, um, you know, going to um, really resonate with them in that moment. It's it's a lot more than that. It's really kind of like a, a dark cloud of, you know, um, a lot of things, you know, biochemical um, things as well as, you know, some of the thinking patterns that are, you know, pretty global, pretty, um, you know, personal related to, to themselves. And, um, okay. yeah. Well, I asked because uh, I'm sure I've been insensitive and I, I try not to be. So that's why I, I figured it would be helpful for people listening, you know, maybe oh, they yeah. can instruct instruct the people around them, you know, like, hey, that's not helpful. Maybe try telling me this instead or something else instead. You know what, I think that, I mean, that's a really good question because, um, you know, at some point or another, um, we all know someone who, you know, is going through a depressive episode is, you know, it's is kind of somebody who's regularly dealing with anxiety and, um, and that could be us. So that could be, you know, the person who's listening to it right now as well. So they're, they're very common experiences. And when you're not in it, it is really hard to, um, you know, to relate personally and, and, you know, and to kind of shut down that irrational um, thinking of why isn't this person just doing this, <laughs> right? That seems to be they should know that this is what they need to do because there's a lot of you know things that are that are standing in their way, and it really is a challenge. Like putting on those shoes to step outside could be the biggest challenge that day. Um, but you know, as as they're getting better, that's not that's not a challenge anymore. Well, very good. So, what's the best way for um, for people to find out more about CBT in general, and then? To come see you, I'm not sure where you serve people, but you know, let me let me know. Let, let, let my own practice, yeah, my own practice is in. Um, I'm licensed in two states, and I actually do a lot of my work virtually as well. So, if anyone is in the New York area or Connecticut, um, I would be um, able to work with them. But fortunately, there are a lot of cognitive behavioral therapists 
um, you know, therapists out there, a lot of providers, and whether they're psychologists or um, other types of psychotherapists um, out there, social workers or um, some psychiatrists also do some CBT. Um, there are you can you can search on um, different therapist search engines for local providers to you if you are preferring a um, you know an in-person experience. There are also a lot of tools online that people can use. So if they're if you're looking to find out more about the effectiveness and um, you know, of the therapy and efficacy and things like that. There's a lot of research. It's a very well-researched therapy. Um, but if you're looking for tools that you can use on your own, there's a lot of, this is one um, type of therapy where there's been, there are a lot of great resources for you to, um, you know, to use on your own, including some, some books that have been around a long time, some workbooks. Um, and you can read some reviews online if you're, you know, curious about how certain things will you know, might might work for you, and you can even look inside, as well as some apps too. So, you know, we kind of live in a an age where there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of these tools that are available to us. But it can be really useful to work through this with, you know, with somebody who's trained to guide you through. Okay, well, very good. Well, Marnie, thanks for coming on the podcast and uh, sharing your wisdom. You're I appreciate welcome. it. This, this was fun. It's a it's um, a great approach, and uh, it was fun to talk about this. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.